listening to the DeFacto Film Review Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jake O'Brien, and I'm talking with uh, Chief Film Critic Robert Joseph Butler, filmmaker. Um, as usual, we're going to be talking about the Oscars this week, uh, mostly our predictions and uh, the nominees for this year's um, award show, but also, you know, some of our favorite Best Picture winners, as well as uh, some nominees or some snubs um, from yesteryear that are on our minds. But, uh, you know, just to start things off, we're going to be going through most of the major categories. We're not going to cover everything. You know, I haven't seen all of the animated short films. Um, I haven't seen all of the live action short films. You know, it's it's sort of hard to uh, get your hands on everything throughout the year. But, you know, uh, as we are on defactofilmreviews.com. Uh, we're very diligent and try to see everything throughout the year. And uh, Rob and I have seen pretty much everything uh, across everything that we've watched together. Um, you know, uh, throughout the nominees, we've seen pretty much everything. So we're going to try and go through all the major ones um, in as vivid detail as possible over the next hour. So, uh, Rob, I don't know. Do you, Before we get started, do you have any wishes for this year was there some stuff that wasn't nominated um that we can find on our website um that, that you would recommend that maybe didn't get the spotlight you know very stoked about some of the nominees this year also disheartened when some of the stuff that didn't get nominated but if you could check out a wish list you could check out my third annual de facto film awards mine and noah's is on there and you could check our nominees we did our own nominees i've always did like my own separate Film Awards, but I decided to do it on a site, so there you have it. Check it out on DeFactoFilmReviews.com, and you'll see it on the website, our whole list of our own personal nominees, which I personally, of course, think are better than the Oscars, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are a couple films on there, um, on that list, that that aren't being recognized by the Academy this year, like uh, To the Ends of the Earth, which we discussed on our first episode of the podcast here, so we're not going to get... Um, too in-depth into those, I'm sure. Um, if you've listened to the show or you've uh, read Rob's List, um, you're familiar with a lot of these um, obscure picks, um, which we cover often. But today we're going to be just discussing, you know, the uh, you know the big guns, the, the, the main um, attraction, so to speak, at this year's awards show, which um, seemed to be pretty unanimous. I mean, we sort of predicted a lot of these, uh, n- not to say that um, there aren't some surprises necessarily, but uh, I would say most of the categories are filled with your uh, not typical Oscar bait. You know, it's not as bad as as some um, past years have been. Um, but I don't know, Rob. What do you? Th- I, I think like you know, Anthony Hopkins for the father uh, actor in a leading role. I guess we can just jump right in. But you know, that doesn't really strike me as uh, anything very daring. That seems sort of like a safe choice. Um, you know, of course, you have Gary Oldman for Mank, which is very inspired, and uh, Riz Ahmed, who is my personal choice for Sound of Metal as the nominees. But right. round, rounding out the category, Chadwick Boseman and uh, Stephen Yin uh, for Minari, of course. Um, I don't know who who do you uh, who are you riding on for uh, actor in a leading role this year? Yeah, looking at the acting category this year, it's, it was very competitive, very stacked. This whole Oscar is, is quite competitive year this year and you know looking at all these nominees at least five great performances you know it's 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 really going to be Chadwick Boseman who's who's going to walk away who sadly won't be here because he 
you know, tragically died recently. And it's a really great performance for Myrini's Black Bottom. It's a really terrific performance. I think he's going to walk away. He, he got the Globe nomination and he won the Globe as well. He, I, um, I also know that he won a lot of other crit- film critic circle awards too. So the big buzz is around him. I think that he's a clear front runner. You know, sadly he won't be there to, to accept the the award, but his spirit will be for sure. But you know, I, I definitely think he will do it. If there's going to be anybody that might upset it, it very well could be possibly Anthony Hopkins for The Father because he won the BAFTA for Best Actor for that film. But my money is going on Chadwick Boseman, the late Chadwick Boseman for My Lady's Black Bottom. I think it would be very uh, admirable of them to give the award to uh, Mr. Bozeman just because, um, you know, that's not very uh, out of left field for the Academy to do. They've obviously done it in the past. Um, So I think it'd be a bit silly of them not to capitalize on this opportunity to um, pay homage to that actor um, who not only it's not really necessarily this film was a big deal for his career, Um, But he has played a part in so many dynamic films and roles. You know, I think it's important uh, for the Academy to uh, sort of notice that. And despite the film not necessarily being um, one that I don't I don't know if it will be remembered as like his standout best performance, not not his most iconic, most definitely. But uh, regardless, I'm with you there. I think he has a strong chance. At taking right. that home, and for the de facto film awards, both yeah. myself <laughs> and Noah awarded Riz Ahmed for the sound of metal. Actually, no, Noah awarded Delray Lindo. I awarded Riz Ahmed. That was right, but uh, yeah, Riz Ahmed is just terrific in that film. I'm glad he got nominated, but yeah, I think the Bozeman will get the win for the night. Yeah, and I, I'm with you there. You know, I I do prefer Sound of Metal and uh, Ahmed's performance, but uh, we, we we shall see. You know. Yeah. Uh, supporting role, um, we've got uh, Sasha Baron Cohen for the Chicago Seven, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, we have uh, Lakeith Stanfield also for Judas and the Black Messiah. I was getting a little bit. I get tripped up reading that every single time. It's it's not like it's uncommon for. Um, Two people to be nominated uh, for the same film in the same category, but every time it happens, <laughs> it is bizarre. Um, uh, then, of course, we have uh, Leslie Owen Jr. for One Night in Miami and uh, Paul Ricci for Sound of Metal. Um, what do you think about this category, Rob? Is it a little stacked? Um, I'm not really, uh, again too jazzed about any of these in particular. I think it would have been nice to see um, supporting cast this year. Um, this is in Nomadland, which which I did finally see for the listeners that are familiar. I wasn't able to see it for my best of the year list, but um, I thought Nomadland made great use of um, the supporting role, and uh, we don't have any nominations for that here. Um, and of course, A Sun, I think, had some great supporting roles in there as well, but uh, nothing for that here as well, but I'm curious to see what you think and if you would have replaced any of these uh, nominees with uh, with your own picks. Well, they're all five 
terrific performances in this category. I, I love all five. Although Lakeith Stanfield, while a great performance, I do not consider that a supporting role. I'm rather quite shocked. He is the lead of the film. He should have been in the lead category. I kind of felt like they just said, hey, we love this performance so much, we're going to cheat and do this, like they've done before with other performances. But yeah, that Lakeith Stanfield loved the performance, but he deserves to be in lead. The big snub in this category, I feel, was Bill Murray in On the Rocks, which was just his most sincere and most bittersweet performance since it's lost in translation, which Sophia Coppola also wrote and directed, which I'm quite surprised he received. And he was even awarded a lot of uh, film critics circle awards for that uh, role. And he was also nominated for a golden globe for that film. And then sadly was snubbed here in this category. But in the end of the day, out of the five men here, the five gentlemen for supporting Daniel Kaluuya is just going to win it hands down. He's won every, you know, awards so far, the golden globes, the, uh, film Critics Circle Awards he's won as well. I think that Daniel Kaluuya is going to walk away as the clear frontrunner for that night. And it's a great performance too, very raw and wrenching as well. Yeah, and I mean, the ladies are also um, really stacked in the categories this year, if I'm being honest. Looking at the actresses nominated for the leading roles, um, that actually excites me a lot more than um, the actors, uh, really. Um, Viola Davis, uh, Andrew Day, Vanessa Kirby, Francis McDormand, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman, um, Nomadland, Pieces of a Woman, The United States versus Billie Holiday, and uh, Black Bottom, respectively. Um, I don't know. I'm really excited about this category. I really loved Mulligan's performance in Promising Young Woman. Uh, McDormand for Nomadland was spectacular. Uh, really liked uh, Viola Davis and uh, Vanessa Kirby. Um, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, I, I think it's, it's a much easier category to get behind, uh, just because Carrie Mulligan's star power this year is very unstoppable. But I do think Frances McDormand has the best possibility of taking home the globe this year. I think unanimously, uh, people have agreed that it's one of her finest performances, um, even including some of her indie classics uh, from when she broke out. Um, what what do you think about that? I mean, am I incorrect in in stating that? I mean, it's a very raw performance. It's, it's certainly one of her most vulnerable and, and authentic. Yeah, this category is very competitive. Seriously, there's at least four out of five performances in this category that could really walk away the winner right now. And if you even go on uh, OscarDerby.com right now, everybody's nominations are just all over the map. So whoever does an Oscar poll that night are, are really going to make a hard <laughs> prediction that night because this could really go anywhere. Like I'm really torn and conflicted. It's not like Chadwick Boseman, who's the clear front runner right now, or even Daniel Kaluuya. Those are pretty easy to predict. But this one could really go many ways, Jake. You know, Frances McDormand could definitely win. Viola Davis has a strong chance. You you know, you have uh, Carrie Mulligan. She did not win any major awards for this, but she has won some Film Critics Circle awards, and she got a lot of acclaim. And then you also have Frances McDormand, like you, you brought up, and Andra Day won the Golden Globe for it. But if I had to put money on this, if you put a gun to my head and say, Rob, who do you think is going to win? I just have my gut. This is just a gut feeling. But I feel like Carrie Mulligan is going to, walk away the winner which you might think is very unorthodox because you know she like you, you brought up Frances McDormand she won the BAFTA for best lead actress which is like the British Oscars and 
I think in SAG Award, I can't remember who won the lead actress for the SAG Award. Do you remember? You have that, Jake? I, well, I, I hate keeping track of this because these yeah. these awards are like stocks, so many, basically. Yeah, yeah, there is. You, you have to chart it out like a. <laughs> like, but, but each of these women have rose to a lot of acclaim. But I'm going to put money on Carrie Mulligan because because this is going to be her moment. I feel because Promising Young Woman not only is a very relevant and timely film for its time, Carrie Mulligan's performance is just so iconic and so wrenching and raw and i think out of all five of them this is going to be the one that people are going to be talking about more years to come i think she's going to something just tell me she's going to walk away so i'm going to go with carrie mulligan here promising woman i think she's going to win but but francis mcdormand or viola davis could also walk away as the winner that night so i'm going to say those three it's going to come down to those three actresses see where i'm at next week after the oscars are done but i'm going to say carrie mulligan walks away as the triumphant winner well yeah, like you said, it's it's really hard to say. It's a stacked category, but I uh, I really am – personally, I think if I were to prefer to see anybody win the trophy that night, it would be Francis McDormand or Carrie Mulligan. But again, I'm not going to be too upset uh, either way. Um, what you say is interesting though because Carrie Mulligan's performance on paper, it might seem so, sort of unorthodox, but – yeah, it's a very firepower film. It's the type of film that I feel like a lot of people are going to be talking about, not only this year, but for years to come. And her performance, the fact that it's even nominated gives me uh, an inkling, you know, just a little bit of a feeling that it, it is sort of in the bag for her. Um, if Because if the film is going to win any awards, and and I'm not, you know, we'll get to this later on when we discuss Best Picture because it is nominated for Best Picture as well. But I do feel like if it's going to sort of just immediately snag one of the awards right off the bat, um, it would be that one. Uh, yeah, you have to look at this too, Jake. There's not been really a clear frontrunner yet, because Frances McDormand, she won the BAFTA. And I just looked up the Screen Actors Guild. Viola Davis won that one. And then, okay. Yeah, and, and, and so this could be Mulligan's moment to, to shine here, because... Uh, and Andrew Day won the Globe, so there was never a clean sweep in this category. So this is the moment where I think Mullingen could get the moment where we have that four-woman split in these uh, these performances. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this race goes, though. Yeah, I I think so uh, too, man. I, I it's interesting. I was sort of wishing we could do a uh, like a listeners uh, live stream of the show um, while we watch the Oscars. We'll have to maybe possibly do that next year, or if there's any listeners out there that would let us know if they're interested in that, please let us know. We could do a de facto listeners chart or anything like that, but um, yeah. yeah, let us know who you think is going to win this award on our Facebook page if you can, because this is uh, definitely a stacked category, but moving on to a supporting role, uh, I don't know. I can't really talk too much about this this category. I haven't seen um, Hillbilly uh, Elegy, um, Pardon my, hang on, I'm going to retake that. I totally fumbled. As for uh, actress in a supporting role, I can't really talk too much about the category. Um, I've seen, um, you know, the second Borat film and Mank, but uh, I didn't see The Father or uh, Hillbilly Elegy, so I don't know, Rob, I'd, if you could talk about those performances, I would be greatly appreciative. Although I did love uh, Amanda Seyfried in Mank. Um, she was great. And a lot of people um, 
are actually, you know, betting on Borat taking this one home. I mean, it is one of the only awards, um, or the only award really that it could sweep. So uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a very strong uh, category, you know, for sure. I'm going to sit and say that I think in the end of the day, who's going to walk away with this is the performance by uh, Yoon, Yoon, Yoon in Minari. It's a wonderful performance. And the reason why I think she's the clear front runner right now is because she did win the BAFTA. She won the Globe. There's a lot of momentum. And she's just a terrific performance all around. I nominated her as well in the Golden Globe as well. I'd love to see Amanda Seyfried win. That's personally my favorite supporting actress of the role. If anybody was to possibly snub her, I do think it would be Maria Bakalova, but she doesn't have the momentum right now. But she does have a lot of uh, support because of that gag she she uh, put on with Julie Giuliani in that film that was quite hysterical and quite timely. Timely, so she has that reputation going for her in that performance. And not only that, it's just a really terrific and funny performance. A lot of comedic performances just don't get enough recognition. We always look at dramas, but ultimately, I do think that you know Yoon Yu Jun is gonna. Uh, ultimately walk away as the winner that night for the supporting actors for, for Minari, which is a very terrific film and memorable performance. Well, speaking of Minari, it's actually nominated for our next category, which is uh, original screenplay. So for that category, we obviously have uh, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Chicago 7, Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't think, you know, I'm just tired of seeing Aaron Sorkin. You know, he he's like he he is like COVID nineteen with these award shows. He just he's everywhere. <laughs> I uh, I'm just tired of seeing him. And I used I really used to look up to him a lot. You know, with uh, uh, the Social Network, of course, uh, being my favorite thing that he's been a part of and attached to. But um, I, I think for original screenplay. Um, we talked about Promising Young Woman and the lead actress category. Uh, I think the script is very strong for that film. In my opinion, if it's if you know the script, the direction, and uh, Carrie Mulligan are really firepower on that film, that those are certainly the most, uh, I guess you could say, uh, um, defining elements of the film. And uh, those categories that they're nominated in, you know, it's going to be tough to beat Promising Young Woman, especially with how timely and uh, and, and frankly well-established the subtext and the subject matter is. But uh, Sound of Metal was really solid, and Judas and the Black Messiah has a lot of momentum uh, in this awards season. So I think if you're talking about a stacked category, this one, um, not, not so much adapted screenplay. Uh, I'm not... I'm immensely stoked about that category. Uh, I'm going to talk about it really quick. We've got White Tiger, One Night in Miami, Nomadland, uh, Father, and uh, uh, Borat, subsequent movie film. Um, Between all of these, I I would just love if, um, you know, One Night in Miami had probably some of the best dialogue of the entire year. It just kept you entertained and hooked to the screen the entire time. And that's also in... um, you know, talking positively about the direction of that film, but Nomadland, I'd be, I'd love if, uh, um, if that walked home with the award. Um, but lots of great films nominated for the writing category this year. Uh, I'm really pleased. Um, typically, the Academy always acknowledges really gr- strong scripts, um, but I'm just happy with pretty much all the nominees this year. If there was one that I that I had uh, to choose to throw in there. Um, I really wish they would have included Deerskin, um, Quentin Depew's screenplay. Um, I thought that was it, just 
as far as an original screenplay, that's, you know, that's what the definition is, is deerskin of an original screenplay. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really pleased this year, Rob. Yeah, the original screenplay and adapted screenplay, there's definitely some gems in that category. Quite a few films that I know made my top ten and I know made yours, at least if not runners up. That, that being said, the original screenplay, I really think that Emerald Fennell is going to walk away the best original screenplay trophy that night. It's just the script's so greatly written. I, I revisited it and it's just so well scripted and the film's just so strong. The writing's so crisp and the dialogue is so pristine and it's got a great structure to it. All the scenes connect well uh, together and it's very cohesive. So I'm really going to put money that Emerald Fennell wins. Not only that, the film did win the BAFTA award and, and it also won the, um, a lot of film critic circles awards too. The adapted screenplay, I'm going to put money on the father simply because it's based on a, on a play and that film, it's kind of like an Oscar movie though. Like if they, it's, it's definitely like an Oscar bait movie and like Borat two could possibly win that night. Cause it did win. I know it won the screen actors guild award <laughs> or the writers guild award. It pulled up an upset on that, but I think it's going to come down to the father and Borat subsequent movie film. But at the end of the day, Father's going to walk away, I feel, as the adapted screenplay category. If there was a snub in these screenplays, I do feel that uh, Sofia Coppola was snubbed for Best Original Screenplay and On the Rocks because her, the, out of all her films she'd she done, that was her most dialogue-driven movie, and I wish she got a little bit more acknowledgement for that film. And only that was like more of a screenplay film than a directing film, which is rare in her case. So that was the big snub in that category. But yeah, outside of that, the nominees are quite fine for the most part. Yeah, On the Rocks was very witty. It, it was very not traditional of uh, Sofia Coppola's writing style. I think there was more one-liners in the first half an hour of On the Rocks than there has been in her entire filmography otherwise. Um, you know, it, it's just a very likable, enjoyable film. I think the just the film in general was not necessarily overlooked. You know, I, I think a lot of people I know watched it and enjoyed it, um, but uh, the, it, it was downplayed over the course of the year. There was something about it that didn't last uh, as strongly, especially with the Academy. I, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure what that was. I think, I think it was the Apple TV platform, to be honest, just too new of a platform. Had it gone to Netflix and been marketed a little bit better, I think it probably would have reached at least supporting actor category of the Oscars and maybe even an original screenplay. Sometimes it's just all about the marketing and the proper platform. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, though, because, you know, Sound of Metal is an Amazon Prime show, um, or right. not show, obviously, but an original, and um, it, not, not, not to say that uh, Sound of Metal or partnering with Amazon Prime is guaranteed to land you in, in a category, but, you know, I would think that Amazon Prime and Apple TV are, you know, if not equal, at least around the same... Uh, you know, amount of reach as far as user base goes. Definitely not with Amazon as far as like the amount of people, but you know, I don't think Apple is lacking in their marketing department. I think if they wanted, if Apple wanted to push that film, they could have, which opens up a interesting discussion. I don't know why they didn't push it the same way that uh, Amazon Prime pushed Sound of Metal or uh, Netflix pushed Mank. You, you know why? Why didn't they market it that that way? Yeah, I think it's because they did market it fairly well. Like I saw a lot of 
websites have for your considerations for it. I just don't think it was probably seen enough, probably because of the platform of Apple just being a little too new in the digital platform. Amazon Prime has been a little bit around a little bit, a little bit more, but I give it maybe two years. If they start developing their product, they'll start being up in Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime territory in the marketing department and getting their films to a broader reach. Yeah, I think overall they just need to sort of beef up that marketing and, uh, um, I don't know, purchase more films. I, th- I think they need to start establishing, you know, a reputable catalog of titles for their audience to choose from as well. Yes. Um, animated films, though, um, obviously Disney made the jump to Disney Plus over the last year, year and a half, and uh, that brought the release of Soul, which a lot of people watched at home, and that's nominated for Best Animated Film, along with uh, Shaun the Sheep, Farmageddon, I love the Shaun the Sheep films, uh, Wolf Walkers, which I unfortunately haven't seen, and then Over the Moon and Onward, which I am absolutely floored that Onward snuck into this category. I thought people basically like uh, Men in Black mind-wiped that from, you know, from their memory. I I, th- I feel like it was released and then people forgot about it almost immediately. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously you and I agree. I, I'm assuming you and I agree that Soul is probably going to take this one home. It's just such an easy choice for pretty much anybody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not really much to say because there's this, I, I'll bet anybody a million dollars who's listening to this right now that <laughs> If they think Soul's not going to win and they want to put money up in the line, I'll gladly bet that with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, if, if you are one of the people that, that thinks that Soul is just going to tank and not take home uh, animated feature film, you think there's going to be an upset that Farm, as Shaun the Sheep Farmageddon is is going to take it home, then, yeah, please please get a hold of us. We'd love to bet you some serious money. Yeah, at least maybe some Criterions in my collection. Yeah, you know, a couple Blu-rays, nothing serious. Yeah, but you know, I put full confidence that Soul's going to win that night. You know, Wolfwalkers is quite a strong animated film, and I love the animation in the film. It's very uh, original, but uh, that was also an Apple TV movie. That'd be my second favorite out of these categories. I did see Onward. I did like. I did see Shaun of the, the Shaun of the Sheep movie. I did like Farmageddon. It was quite witty. I did not get to see Over the Moon, unfortunately, but. Uh, yeah, I saw four out of the five, and definitely Soul has the most sincerity and heart. Well, you know what's interesting? I didn't even realize uh, Wolf Walkers until um, I scrolled to the category, but that is an Apple TV film, like you mentioned, and obviously I guess their interests lied more in that film than with On the Rocks. I don't I don't know if they um, how that happened. Well, but uh, competi- Competition's not as strong. <laughs> yeah. Animated film is not, yeah. <laughs> You have to compete um, with Nomad Land, you know. <laughs> that is that is fair, but hey, Sofia Coppola, though, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily, you know, the the film itself isn't isn't necessarily anything to, you know, take into consideration. Um, I, I feel like uh, Chloe Zhao is is just as established, um, far less established than Sofia Coppola. So I think it, if she can do it, uh, Apple TV could have done it. But yeah, uh, moving Nomadland. on to. Moving on to cinematography, um, Nomadland is nominated. What, what were you going to say about Nomadland? I was going to say Nomadland is just one of those films that's kind of like each year there's like one movie that just blows everybody out of the water. You look at previous years like Pulp Fiction in 94 or you got 99 you have American Beauty or 2003 you had Lost in Translation, 2001 Mulholland Drive. Like Nomad's like 
No Man Land's like that one film that just floors everybody. And I got to see that movie in like September at the early screening and I didn't know the buzz on it. It was just nice to watch that. And I kind of feel sorry for some people who watched it and are like, ah, it was good, but not great. But it's, sometimes it's so nice to watch movies before you get the buzz. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's regardless of whether people, you know, uh, saw it before the buzz or not, the cinematography is, is rather astonishing in the film. Um, yeah. It's just got this spectacular look and color grade, um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it's necessarily difficult uh, for um, somebody as talented as Chloe's out to make a, a moving picture as um, arresting as Nomadland, but um, even watching it at home, you know, I have a pretty large television, and um, even watching it there, I still feel like I didn't get the scope of what was in, uh, not just in her mind, but what was captured on camera. I think it's a film that's meant to be experienced on the big screen. And if I'm being honest, I, I think it's the clear winner for cinematography. I guess you could argue that Manx is is a bit more rooted in the aesthetics of its uh, genre and, and, and in its subject. I mean, uh, it's pretty much perfect, picture perfect, as far as the time period and, uh, you know, everything uh, relating to the subject is concerned. But yeah, Nomadland is the clear winner for me for cinematography. Uh, I can't imagine it going to something like Trial of the Chicago 7 where the entire film is is just walls and uh, masses of people. But I guess we shall see. <laughs> no, you're right, Jake. I, I do think Nomadland is the clear front runner. And how about this? How about the first year that I could think of? I don't know about last year, but these all these five films were shot on digital they were none of them were films so that's kind of saddens me in a way but at the same time most of these films i do think are you know visually arresting and sean bobbitt who's was nominated for judas and the black messiah the cinematography in that film is quite striking as well and he's worked with sean or steve mcqueen in many of his films before and the, the cinematography in mank of course that follows the tradition of cinematography being black and white usually there's a striking black and white film that reaches a lot of claim and gets nominated but yeah i do definitely think joshua james richards is going to walk away the the winner that night for nomadland and, and just the deserts the use of the, the the scenery and the landscape cinematography and just the colors and just the compositions and framing are just so striking in that film that's who that was actually my, not only my who i picked for this but that was my favorite shot film of the year as well so i definitely think the oscars choose that they made the right choice Mank, which was nominated for uh, cinematography, I, I don't think it's the end of the world if it doesn't win the award there because it's nominated um, for original score as well. Um, you know, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, they are just on a roll lately, you know, uh, not just with Nine Inch Nails, uh, which they've not been super active with, although they released the Ghosts uh, Project uh, 5 and 6 last year, but uh, they're nominated... They're, they're going to beat themselves this year. Uh, I guess they're going to pull a Steven Soderbergh and, uh, because they're nominated for Mank and Soul. Um, I think, you know, it's very obvious that Trent and Atticus, this is, this is their trophy. They're definitely going to snag it. But um, if there is going to be an upset, I have heard the soundtrack to Minari, despite not having seen the film, and it is exceptional. Um, yes, it is. 
News of the World and Defy Bloods, I'm not, Defy Bloods I've seen, I'm not real wild on. Um, News of the World, there's no way it's better than Trenton Atticus, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm definitely on the Soul or Mank train for this category. Um, definitely don't see it going, the pendulum swinging uh, a different direction than towards Trenton Atticus. Yeah, Reznor Atticus and then uh, John Batiste also did the score for the, he did the jazz stuff. The jazz, yes. Yes. My apologies. Oh, no, you're good. It just, I guess those three guys are going to (laughs) beat Reznor and Atticus, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) They're going to beat themselves, but uh, no, Soul Hands Down is going to win this category. Rightfully so, too. It's it's actually my second favorite uh, score of the year. It's my favorite in this category. My favorite, which was not nominated, was... Uh, he was nominated for Minari, but Kajillionaire score, which is just wonderful. And I awarded that for the de facto film awards. I, that was the one score I listened to the most, but the Minari score is wonderful as well. But no soul is just so ethereal and so dreamlike, so, so vastly different to what a lot of stuff that Reznor and Ross have done before, more of an uplifting tone and feel a little more spiritual than some of the other stuff that they've done before just goes to show how versatile both Reznor and Ross are with their, with their collaborations and, just how talented and multi-layered they are with their music. Yeah, I agree. I think if there was one, you know, glaring, um, you know, missing nominee from this year's category there would be uh, David Byrne's American Utopia. You know, I think the music there, despite some of it being uh, recycled, Talking Heads music uh, very easily um, could have fit into um, the original score category. Um, yeah, that's a great film too. It just that one, at least documentary. It's it just a hard movie to measure in the categories, but nevertheless, just Reznor, Ross. That's going to be great to tune on, tune in, and see these guys accept the awards at night. Absolutely. Um, well, I guess we'll talk really quickly about uh, some of the documentary and international features. Um, obviously, I haven't seen a lot of these, but I did get a chance to see My Octopus Teacher which is up for Best Documentary. That's obviously the one I will be rooting for. I know you're a big fan of uh, Time, uh, which was very solid, and there's been some large movement around this film collective, which I am aware of as well. But we rounding out the group, we have The Mole Agent and Crip Camp. Um, so I don't, have you seen all of these, Rob, or have it, did a few slip you by? No, actually I did. I watched all five for my top ten consideration. The one I did like the most out of all these was a tie between Collective and Time. Those were my two favorites out of the five. I do think, though, it's going to come down to two movies to win this, and that's the one that you love a lot, My Octopus Teacher, which is also a very sincere and endearing film. My God, I was moved to tears watching that film. It's on Netflix. Please seek it out. It's very moving and absorbing, especially if you just want to get your mind off of things. It's just good to see that there's a lot of humanity with even creatures. There's a lot of uh, emotions going on that you don't think about, but it's going to come down to my octopus teacher. I feel in time, I'm going to give it to time just because of the times we're living in right now with all the uh, stuff, all the stuff going on with social injustice. And today we just had the verdict of uh, Derek Chauvin, who's, uh, you know, indicted for uh, second degree murder in three accounts. And time is also a film about social justice and the, and the horrible injustices that a lot of, uh, you know, black and brown and minority people have to endure here in modern day America. So that's on Amazon Prime. It's a Prime original. The film is very irrelevant right now. I'm sorry, the film is very relevant right now and very 
uh, powerfully gripping. So definitely seek that documentary out. It's shot in uh, black and white uh, cinematography too. It's just so beautifully shot, so emotionally rendered. And I think that's going to walk away as the, the winner of the night for how relevant well, it is. Well, I know uh, Michael Moore is uh, rallying behind that film time quite a bit. Yes. Um, yes, he is. And Collective could win too. That's like the big Oscar. That's like the big critically acclaimed one, but it, it, it's going to come down to those three films. But I believe time's going to win, but we shall see. Yeah. Um, I, I Honestly, it's it's not too big of a loss to me. Um, I, I think documentaries are one of the rare cases where whichever one wins, is it's actually it's great because um, typically it's a subject that people need to be exposed to. Uh, whatever is picked is typically what uh, the time requires, so to speak. So uh, whether it goes to My Octopus Teacher, to Time, or Collective, um, it's going to bring new eyes to the film, and that's the most important aspect of it all. A couple categories left to talk about. Uh, the international feature film category is one that uh, is sort of interesting for me because it's double-crossed Collective crosses into international feature film, so I guess that sort of lessens the chance that it's going to take the um, documentary feature award and possibly go home with best international film, but it could also swing the other way, so I'm not quite sure. But we have um, uh, another round uh, from Denmark, which is obviously going to be my pick. Uh, I, I'm very adamant about that film winning the trophy. You know, Mads Mikkelsen um, and Thomas Vinterberg are a very unstoppable dynamic duo to me, but I don't know, Rob. Um, have you have you seen uh, The Man Who Sold His Skin um, or Better Days? Do you think any of these films um, really have a chance? Obviously, my pick would be A Son, the Taiwanese film, which was snubbed uh, in every category this year. Um, but another round is my runners up there. I, I, it's hard to say because there's a few of these I did not see. I, I know that uh, some some people have some money behind that um, the man who sold his skin. Some people think that another round's going to win it. I'm going to say another round is going to win, and I'll tell you why. It's kind of like uh, Cold War a few years ago, where Pavel Pavlitsky was nominated for Best Director and International, and Cold War ended up taking the International category. This okay. is kind of yeah. This is something newer the Oscars are doing before they weren't really doing this before. Where in the past you'd have, let's say, a Bergman or Fellini film would get nominated for Best Director one year, and then it would get nominated for Best International the year before. Or if it would come out the same year, they would just nominate it for Best Director and keep that category kind of separate. That's happened before with like Cries and Whispers, as well as I believe Fellini's um, films as well. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I think Satyricon was another film. At least Fellini was nominated for for director for that and also eight and a half but now years later we're living these times where they could split the difference now and i'm thinking that because the director momentum will foster the international win for vinterberg that night but we shall see yeah i mean it's it's always interesting to see what actually wins um on awards night because you know monumentally i mean historically um, a lot of people have been wrong. Uh, I mean, if you just go to last year, the amount of people um, that would have told you that Parasite was going to win the amount of of, of awards that it won, um, you know, four major categories 
taking taking right. it home best picture best director best screenplay best international film um you know I, I would have told you you were crazy because i even saw the film before it, it had that hype and i thought for sure that it was going to go to something you know uh, a, a bit safer um so i i don't know um like you said we shall see um but that's, that only leaves a couple categories left, um, editing and directing, before we get to Best Picture. Um, as far as editing goes, we have uh, Trial of the Chicago 7, Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, and The Father. Uh, it, it sucks not having seen The Father because it, it's going through all these categories. It's up for so many. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my money is probably on Sound of Metal for this one. I really like how that film is edited. There's a... Uh, meditative pace to the film that works really well. It's very, um, it's it, it's very, I, it, it's an auteur's film almost at its at its core. There's, um, you know, just a beautiful meditative quality to it um, that's hard to shake off. It, it lingers with you long after you've seen it, um, and the editing plays a big role in that, especially in the sound design um, of the film. It utilizes sound in in such a way that um, is impossible not to acknowledge its influence um, and its inspiration on a lot of filmmakers, I'm sure, uh, that have seen it will tell you that it inspired them. So, yeah, my, my pick is Sound of Metal for that category. Um, I, I would have loved to see something um, like uh, Baccarat um, get nominated or even Possessor, which is completely out of left field for the Oscars, but it, it had wonderful editing. Um, or even Martin Eden, which is another film that, you know, I think you and I can agree was, was snubbed this year. Um, so there's there's lots of options for editing that they could have gone with. I think some of these are a little a little lame, um, mainly, and, and no, it's nothing against Nomadland or Trial of Chicago 7 or The Father, Promising Young Woman. Um, you know, I just typically in this category, you like to look for films that utilized the... Uh, the art form of editing in in a way that stands out and sort of furthers the craft and Sound of Metal is really the only one that does that for me here. Although oh, I know you, you, I know you love Promising Young Woman. Well, yeah, Promising Young Woman is really uh, well edited. I, I understand that. Nomadland, love the film, my favorite for directing, but the editing was kind of scratching my head because it doesn't really uh, astonish me on an editing level. I don't walk away praising that film's editing i praise the directing the visuals the performances and of course editing does factor in great, great performances too but son of metal like you stated it perfectly utilizes the, the cutting room there's a lot of great transitions in the film with the sound and the cuts are perfect when he's uh, playing the music when the sound goes in and out there's just something about the way it's cut that brings up the momentum to that movie that works quite well where i definitely think that's why it's going to walk away the winner so i'm going to put money on son of metal uh, editing snubs, I do feel that uh, Possessor was definitely overlooked in that category. The editing in that film is just brilliant, but definitely not an Oscar movie. But no, another one was Tenet. Tenet's actually very well cut, too. Uh, talk about Possessor. Well, Tenet's very similar to that, too, in both of its techniques and whatnot. And that was some of the most impressive things about it. So I was really just bewildered that uh, Tenet was snubbed in that category, especially with being Nolan, and Nolan's got a track record of, of the, that. I know it's nominated for Best of Visual Effects, which I think it's going to walk away in that category too, but yeah, I'm going to have to say Son of Metal, rightfully so, should should win that night. It's uh, it's not up for uh, directing, uh, Best Direction, 
um, although it, it is very solidly directed. Um, so I just I'd love to see it uh, win in that category. Um, any category that you can give to Sound of Metal, any category you can give to uh, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, um, I'm cool with it. And um, these are films that are nominated for Best Directing, too. So Another Round, Mank, uh, Minari, Nomadland, and Promising Young Woman. We've got Emerald Fennell, Chloe Zhao, um, Lee Isaac Chung, Fincher, and Vinterberg all up for uh, Best Director. Obviously, I know that you'd love to see Sofia Coppola in here as well for On the Rocks. Um, <laughs> Actually, I didn't nominate her uh, for my de facto film awards that year. Believe it or not, I uh, I did one. I wish Sean Durkin got more recognition for The Nest because that film is just so uh, greatly directed. And, you know, out of these five, though, Jake, to, to answer kind of your question, of course, uh, uh, Chloe Zhao, I think, will walk away the winner that night. It's my favorite as well. Like, I think the directing of that film is just so splendid and now with this now being her third feature film it's quite a highlight and she's got a marvel movie coming out the eternals uh, later this year so i'll be really curious to see what she does but no the the direction of this movie is just pitch perfect it's just so impeccably crafted so so visually arresting and i was just in awe from beginning to end with her visual poetry in this movie and the way it's shot and composed and just staged and just a very emotional experience it's a it's a pitch perfect movie and I think she's going to walk away. And, and one of the few, probably this, what is it, the second female to ever win a Best Director just behind Catherine Bigelow for the uh, directing Oscar? Yeah, I, I was going to make special mention that uh, it, what a pleasure it is that uh, Emerald Fennell and Chloe Zhao both are nominated for Best Director. Yes. Um, so there is a um, likelihood that we will have a, another uh, female director um, statue winner, which is great. Yeah, I think just to follow up with what you said, uh, Nomadland is probably my pick. Um, Fennell's direction is a bit more fearless, I guess you could say, in in terms of what she's willing to, uh, the the length she's willing to go to to prove her point. But there's something, there's there's an auteur quality to Zhao's direction. Um, And again, it's very meditative in in a way that... uh, um, it, it's it's just such a peaceful feeling that you get from her direction. You you never feel like you're in the wrong hands. Um, and you know, watching as many films as we do, it's very easy for us to recognize when a, a film is being directed in a way that's possibly subpar, or you're not totally invested in it because, um, well, the, you're not totally com- confident in the director. Um, and Nomadland is an example of of a film that doesn't do that at all. Just from the second it begins, you just feel like you can put your feet back and relax because you're at ease, you're in such good hands directing-wise. Um, and that's the best compliment I can give to the film. So if it does go to her um, or if it does go to uh, any of the competition, you know, Fincher, I'd love to see Fincher win. Um, Vinterberg's direction was solid. Fennell, I think this is probably the best category of the entire year. It's just really stacked with great options, and I'm not going to be upset with anybody that wins here. Yeah, and back to what you said about Zhao's direction. It's just not, and I stated this in my review too. Not since Gus Van Sant's Jerry has the the desert felt so pure, so breathtaking and and and, and ravishing to look at in the film. It just she captures it so personal and, and such with a poetic eye, where it even rivals the work of Terrence Malick. And in fact, I would go so far to say it's been better than 
most of Malick's films in the last 10 years since The Tree of Life. And even though it felt very Malick in in many ways, it also had a distinct style that dated to her other feature film she did called The Writer right before this. So she's definitely an auteur in the making. I cannot wait to see what she does after this. I know she's doing The Eternals, the big Marvel movie, but I'm hoping she takes the Alfonso Cuaron, Gus Van Sant approach. If you remember those two auteurs, they did these big... Hollywood movies, and then they took that money and they were able to work on their own personal projects, and there was with great results. We had Roma out of uh, from Quran, and you know we've had four great films, small indies from Gus Van Sant, like the the, the Death Trilogy with Jerry Elephant and Last Days. Then he went on to do Paranoid Park, which was just breathtaking. And so there's a lot of a lot to that. A lot of people get upset when the big auteurs do big movies, but hey, if they're going to go back to their roots right after that, I say go for it. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's always the uh, the move to make career-wise. I, I don't think it really hurts anybody in the long run. You get more movies to watch by your favorite directors. They get a paycheck. And at the end of the day, they get to keep making films that they want to make. So, right. Um, yeah, keep, keep doing it. Uh, I, I think a lot of great films have come out of that process. But uh, it's time to talk about the Best Picture winners. Uh, or not winners. Excuse me. <laughs> Let me retake that. Well, it is time to talk about the uh, Best Picture nominees uh, for this year's Academy Awards 2021. Uh, the Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and for some reason, uh, just like the COVID virus, the trial of the Chicago 7, we can't shake it. Um, <laughs> it's in every damn category. Um We'll just face it, the trial of Chicago 7 is like the, the very well-polished cable TV movie. Like it, it feel, That's what it feels like. Not, and I like the film, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but it just the Academy just loves Aaron Sorkin. I know there's a lot of people I respect that like that movie too. I just I like the film. I just don't think it's as grand as the, as the Oscars thinks, thinks it is. Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, between Trial of the Chicago 7 and One Night in Miami, I would have far preferred that film to be nominated in the categories – you know, just replace every single nomination of Trial of the Chicago 7 with One Night in Miami, uh, and I'd be happy. Um, to me, they're, they're sort of the same approach to making a film, but one is just executed far with, with, with far more elegance, I guess. Um, but it, it, let's we, we don't need to fixate on that too long. Um, I, I think it's a really good category this year. Uh, lots of films to be excited about. Uh, I think if if I was to be excited about one film, just sort of uh, taking it home, if they were to make a statement, I think Promising Young Woman would be the ultimate statement to make. Um, it, it, it just tell me everything that anyone would need to know about, uh, about the night. Um, and I do think it honestly is probably my pick for the, just the most overall enjoyable film, entertaining and... Uh, being subversive, you know, as far as being subversive and entertaining at the same time, I think Promising Young Woman is the pick there. However, if they were going to go with a safer alternative, I could see Nomadland, uh, Mank, uh, Minari, or Judas and the Black Messiah taking it home. Um, Like I said, these are all films that could fit the category of Best Picture. I really doubt The Father is going to take it home. And I really doubt Trial of the Chicago 7 and Sound of Metal are going to take it home. But again, uh, if history has taught us one thing, we have absolutely no idea what to expect. Um, I mean, Green Book 
won um, Best Picture in 2018. And, you know, I swore back then that Green there's no way that Green Book was going to win. It was absolutely, I was convinced it was going to go to Roma or Black Panther or Black Clan. I thought it was going to be any movie before Green Book, but um, that happened. Uh, and that was just two years ago. Um, so I don't know, Rob, what do you, what do you think? Well, it, it could go a split year where you see director and pitcher go to split. I know some people have the trial Chicago seven possibly winning. I don't think so. I think it's going to go to nomad land. It won the, the BAFTA. It's the most acclaimed movie of the year. And, and the Oscars really need to stop doing this uh, split. They've done it a lot the last 10 years. We saw it with La La Land and Moonlight. We saw it with, like you mentioned with, with Roma in green book that year or, you know, we saw it that um, the year with Argo as well in the life of Pi in, in, in 2012, we saw it with uh, 12 years of slave as well that year with that best director and best. Well, yeah, we, well that year like, in 2013, gravity, you had, yeah. yeah, you had gravity, you had, you had uh, uh, Scorsese nominated that year. Um, American hustle. Everybody was really behind for some reason that movie faded into the, into the nether space, you know, just <laughs> instantly. Right. But, um, yeah, but they, they, I'm tired. I think we're tired of the split years. I'm just saying, Hey, just make it, make the director and pitcher the same. So I, I'm definitely going to say no man land. It's going to win director and pitcher that night. It's going to be the big winner. I could be wrong, but that's what my intuitions tell me. Well, regardless of if it goes to nomad land or not, if it doesn't go to nomad land, who would you like it? Who would you like it to go to? Yeah, out of all these, definitely uh, Promising Unknown Woman would be my second favorite film. But, um, you know, if, if there was an upset, I think it, it's going to probably be Judas and the Black Messiah, honestly, or possibly Minari, because it's more of the crowd pleaser. Some people are betting sh the trial of Chicago 7, but I'm just going to go with Nomad Land just because of the momentum that it currently has. But we've seen it before where the big acclaimed movies did not win. Like, take, for instance, Boyhood. And 2014 was the big acclaim movie, and it, a lot of people thought that was going to win, and that kind of faded, and Birdman ended up triumphing that year in that category. But uh, but then we got last year, we had Parasite win, and I think the Oscars are going to start getting more bold with Moonlight and uh, also with um, Parasite and, you know, now this with Nomadland. So we're going to see the more artistic movies possibly win. I hope this is a trend that they keep up, but, you know, we shall see. I, I hope the days of, like, Green Book and Driving Miss Daisy are kind of like over where these kind of like sentimental hokey good polished competent made films but just not necessarily mesmerizing masterpieces stop winning you know i agree i i think there's there's a time and place for those films uh to be you know made and consumed by uh, pretty much anybody but um i i think we need to leave them out of the best picture category at the oscars uh they're very, they're very rarely the best film. Um, I think if you asked anybody, um, there, there wouldn't be many people, um, that would say that were alive in 1989 that would say now that driving Miss Daisy, um, was better than born on the 4th of July. <laughs> right. Or do the right thing, which was not even nominated <laughs> yeah. here, which probably people go back and say, yeah, that should have been nominated, you know? <laughs> Well, this this leads us into our our perfect little outro segment, Rob. I mean, I've got I've got a huge list here of Academy Award winners and uh, nominees up, and I'm just looking through it, and there are just some absolutely insane winners and and snubs. Um, is it's just crazy that this is the longest 
running most, I mean, depending on the person you ask, most respectable award show um, in Hollywood for the motion pictures, um, besides a few others. Um, I, this is certainly the most celebrated amongst Americans, I would say. Um, but yeah, it, it's just crazy to me that it's it's so highly regarded and it's very rarely on the right side of history. I mean, if you even if if you go back to the '90s here, um, of course you have some outliers like Silence of the Lambs in '91, Schindler's List in '93, um, Titanic in '97. But I, I mean, and and of course American Beauty. But uh, I I personally don't know a lot of people that would pick The English Patient over Fargo. <laughs> Right. Um, I can't believe I can't believe that one uh, Forrest Gump over Pulp Fiction. I mean, what is happening? Um, Dances with Wolves over Goodfellas. Yeah, I mean, there's just some crazy, crazy picks <laughs> dating back not even that far, not much more than 20 years. Or even, you know, if you wanted to go recently, um, there there are a few that um, the Hurt Locker winning in 2009 over Inglorious Bastards. Uh, you know, or a serious man, which was also nominated. Um, you had uh, Social Network in 2010, King's Speech, uh, obviously pulling an upset that year, um, which was everybody's favorite. And that's not a bad film, actually. It, it's really solid. But you know, when you've got the Social Network uh, and Black Swan in the same category, it's a little bizarre to me that 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 one. But yeah, man, the, it's just. It's insane. We could go on for for probably hours just looking at every yeah, we, single one. We sure, we sure could, Jake. You know, we we could spend like a whole three hours just discussing the Oscars' big snubs and stuff that we would want to that we wish got nominated or won. But there's just so many snubs throughout the years, and there's been a few times where they got it right. You know, but uh, you know, like Moonlight, for for instance, was a great you know win that year, and also to uh, Million Dollar Baby by Clint Eastwood was well deserved and. You know, you definitely brought up American Beauty. That was that film's truly stood the test of time as well. I, I feel, but um, yeah, I'd say like the the biggest snub for me in all these categories. You brought it up. The '94 was Forrest Gump over Pulp Fiction. Still, you know, <laughs> bewildering to look at today. Uh, even like looking at Driving Miss Daisy and not even seeing do the right thing get nominated that year. That's a huge snub. But even in the five films that were nominated in '89, for instance, you had Driving Miss Daisy, Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society. Field of Dreams in My Left Foot, definitely born on the 4th of July, you know, should have uh, won. And Oliver Stone won Best Director that year, but he did not win the uh, the Oscar for that film. And well, that's the classic split that you're talking about. Exactly. Uh, you know, that, that and you're right. They do this all the, all the time. They give whatever wins Best Director is going to not get picture or vice versa. Whatever is promised best picture is it can't win best director for some reason. There's like, it's a rule. They have like a golden rule somewhere in, in Oscar HQ where, where they're, <laughs> it's, it's like a golden rule um, that you can't pick the same person, but I'm with you. I think that you should be able to, it should just be normalized that you can win best director and best picture. I mean, they go hand in hand. Yes, and then they have before too. Like looking at the '90s, for instance, is a great year where they where they did. Like in '91, you had Silence of the Lambs, and then you had Demi winning. You had Spielberg winning for picture and director. That was a great win. You had Clint Eastwood for for Unforgiven for both director and picture, and he also pulled it off again in '04 with Million Dollar 
baby. There's there's times where you're you're like, yes, both they got both awards, and then there's those other heartbreaking times where it doesn't happen, where you you see like uh, you know Moonlight win picture, Barry Jenkins doesn't win director, or Karan wins director, and Roma doesn't win best picture as an example. But um, you know, the, for the most part, though, the one big snub you'll probably agree with me, Jake, is like an 86. Just look at the Best Picture nominees, you had Platoon, Children of a Lesser God, Hannah and Her Sisters, The Mission, and A Room with a View. David Lynch was nominated that year for Best Director with uh, Oliver Stone, you know, and, and Woody Allen as well. But he, if he didn't, Blue Velvet did not get nominated for Best Picture, nor did another big snub was Dennis Hopper not getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor as Frank, Frank Booth. Isn't that crazy for Blue Velvet? He was nominated for Hoosiers, but not for Blue Velvet. I can't wrap my mind around that. Well, you can... You can also keep in mind, though, that he was just coming off of Dune and The Elephant Man. And as we know, The Elephant Man was nominated for Best Picture in 1980. Yes. So if I were were to guess, it was probably just the Oscars, you know, sort of the pendulum swinging towards, you know, if if they're going to nominate him. they, They Obviously, he didn't get anything for Dune. Um, but being nominated for Best Picture for The Elephant Man is obviously no small feat, nothing to scoff at. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's very twisted, the logic at play there. <laughs> I agree. I don't know how David Lynch did not get nominated, um, or his film, rather, did not get nominated for Best Picture that well, is year. It kind of a, is it kind of a compliment, though, in a way, if you look at Oscar history, let's say if you're a director and you get nominated for you know, best director and you don't get out of best picture. It's almost a compliment. And I'll tell you why Stanley Kubrick for 2001, a space odyssey film was not nominated for best picture. Kubrick was nominated for director. Look at Mulholland drive back to lunch nominated for best director for Mulholland drive. That film was sadly not nominated at all for best picture. And then you had like Bennett Miller recently nominated for, for Fox catcher was nominated for director film was not nominated for, for best picture. So there's a, there's a great, trend uh Fellini's eight and a half for instance Bergman's been nominated numerous times for best director never for best picture City of God's another one Fernando Morelli is nominated for best director not for picture so I think that's kind of a badge of honor and all you could say Thomas Venterberg could now wear that badge of honor right Jake right <laughs> yeah I suppose <laughs> we're gonna have to wait uh for the big night to see but yeah I suppose Thomas Venterberg can wear that badge of honor uh protege of Lars von Trier himself um you know, it's sort of off topic, but uh, that film has so many uh, aesthetic similarities with Lars von Trier. It's absolutely crazy uh, when you know that he studied under him that you can almost see it's it's like he, the genes of Lars von Trier have been passed down into Winterberg. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, they're definitely close comrades, if you will, protégés, if, if, if you will. Very similar style. They come from the the dogma filmmaking style, and you can still see those sensibilities run true with just how spontaneous the film style could be in another round. Even though it's very emotionally restrained at times, it also has a very unrestrained style at times as well, especially with some of the drinking scenes and some of the stuff with his buddy and whatnot, kind of hinting at some Wolf of Wall Street type stuff. But uh, yeah, it's a very sincere and poignant film for Vinterberg. Not as cold as some of his other films, I will say that. It's definitely more emotionally reserved than his other films. So I, I'm very, even though another year, another round was not one of my favorite films of the year, I respect that nomination. I really respect Winterberg as an artist and happy to see him finally get that nomination. Yeah, same here, man. I, I mean, I really enjoyed the film quite a bit. It made my top 10 list of last year, and I'll be rooting for him on the big night. So, um, 
yeah, I, I think there's lots to look forward to this year. It's it's not a boring show. And I one thing that I'm very thankful for is that there really aren't any nominations uh, with the exception of some of the Trial of the Chicago 7 stuff where I'm, I'm genuinely, you know, sort of puzzled or upset why it's nominated. You know, nothing this year going through the nominees with you just now. Uh, nothing stood out to me as, you know, very insulting uh, or... Uh, tokenist in in nature, you know, everything seemed like it was, uh, you know, justfully, right, rightfully nominated, and I could certainly get behind a lot of the picks. So um, I think it's just a good year overall. It was a good year, especially for being a pandemic year and whatnot. It's, it, there was a lot of great movies that got us through, and I'd be really curious to see what comes out this year. We have a lot of, a lot of auteurs putting films out this year. We have a new uh, Wes Anderson's The French Dispute Dispatch will finally come out this year. We, yeah, PT Anderson, <laughs> yeah, PT Anderson's new film uh, is supposed to be coming out this year. We have Juan Carwai's Chunking Express 2020, which is supposed to be a continuation of his 1994 masterpiece Chunking Express. So, you have Sean Baker supposedly has a new film coming out this year as well. So, I really look forward to seeing where we stand next year at this time uh, as well. And I also wanted to, too, Jake, we forgot to talk about the biggest snub in Oscar history, two big snubs that we should have talked about. Um, 1941. How did Citizen Kane not win Best Picture? That's a huge snub. Oh yeah, the movie, yeah. <laughs> of uh, course. Green was my Valley. Yeah, that's just shattering, especially with Mink coming out, and then at the end of you know with the Mink, you see Mink get that Oscar for for Best Screenplay at his home, and it just makes you think. Like, at least they nominated it for they nominated and awarded it for screenplay, but for for picture, looking back, that's just so absurd. Another one too, I feel Jake was uh, Apocalypse Now losing to Kramer versus Kramer. And I love Kramer versus Kramer. Don't get me wrong. It's a great film, but looking at how that film beat out apocalypse and all that year is just disturbing to think about. Yeah. Well, I'm with you there. Um, well, I guess we should keep this in mind, Rob, knowing Oscar history and uh, going forward into the weekend, um, we should keep in mind that uh, Citizen Kane uh, had that that great upset, that great flub, Oscar Oscar snub. Um, I wasn't trying to rhyme like Dr. Seuss there, but I I sort of did. Um, but uh, uh, where was I going with this? Um, knowing that, knowing that uh, Citizen Kane was snubbed all those years ago, I guess. Now that Mank has been nominated, should we watch for a Mank upset? Is it possible that that they award Mank some of these uh, statues and and we're incorrect about our predictions? There's, you know, upsets are always possible. You never know. And it's happened before. The 2002, nobody thought Adrian Brody was going to win the Best Lead Actor for The Pianist. Everybody thought Jack Nicholson or Daniel Day-Lewis was going to win that night. And all of a sudden, Brody won. And he was just so shocked. You could... Just see the uh, upset that night. Roman Polanski winning Best Director. He couldn't even attend the Oscars because he would get arrested if he stood, stepped foot in U.S. soil. Everybody thought Scorsese was going to finally win his long overdue Oscar that year for, for uh, Gaines in New York, and then that was an upset. So upsets are always possible at the Oscars. We get involved a lot with predictions and whatnot. We think things are going to go a certain way, and then things are shake, shaken up. But um, any other year, though, Jake, like Mink probably would, but this year I just don't think the momentum's quite behind that movie. And you think it would be because it's about the entertainment industry. It's about showbiz, and the Oscars have been very kind to those types of films in the past as well, most recently, of course, with, with Birdman, which is a, a movie I absolutely love. But, uh, yeah, I think this year, though, I think that no, it's the year of Chloe Zhao and Nomadland. 
Well, there you have it. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us, talking about our Oscar predictions, going over the nominees, who might win, who might not win, and some of the upsets and snubs from Oscar history. So um, tune in to The Big Night. I'm sure uh, on our next podcast we'll be talking a little bit about um, some of the winners. We'll, we'll go over it briefly. We won't spend too much time on it like usual. But, oh, man, before we get out of here, Rob, um, do we have anything anything on the rise? Do we have any updates for, for our listeners out there? Yeah, keep checking out our reviews on defactofilmreviews.com. And also, too, hopefully we get this virus contained and get movies back to where they were before because it would be nice to see Films not just drop on streaming platforms to get back into the theaters and, and see films outside of the the, the uh, TV. Because let's face it, even though it's nice to have these options, to have that instant gratification, nothing compares to sitting in a nice dark theater with a big screen and watching a great film. So hopefully with the vaccine rollout developing uh, herd immunity, hopefully we can get to how movies were before the pandemic. So thank you for, for tuning in. Thank you, Jake, for having me i really appreciate this discussion on these oscars anytime rob and i'm with you man there is literally nothing better than sitting in that dark theater with the massive screen huge huge bowl of popcorn bucket of popcorn um yeah and there's there's absolutely nothing better than being there with your friends or your family so um everybody stay safe out there um please please get vaccinated And uh, we will see you on the other side. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.